us, closest to us, they miss out on who we really are because we've walled ourselves off from them because of fear. And I believe that God wants to free us from that. I'm not saying that I'm all the way there. I'm on the path with all of us. We're doing this together. We're learning how to walk in the light with our darkness, to shine the light on our garbage and receive the love of God knowing that we fail, to be able to love other people knowing that they fail when they fail us. But we have to do battle against the hardness of heart. It's worth considering that living in this contemporary culture dramatically impacts how we view God. If you've formed a picture of God based on what you know about the world, you're getting a distorted image. We'll find that as Pastor Daniel takes us through the plagues in Egypt, a fresh perspective will help us understand what's going on between God, Pharaoh, and the Hebrew people. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with his continued study entitled, The Plagues. just the second book so open up to the beginning 50 chapters of the book of Genesis and then comes the book of Exodus it's part of the first five books of our Bible which is commonly known in the Greek as the Pentateuch which means five books if you were Hebrew you'd call it Torah which literally means law and so it's the opening section of our Bibles and in a lot of ways as I've said before The reason we are studying the Bible from Genesis to Revelation is A, because it's the whole counsel of the Word of God, and B, because it's been commonly said, and I believe it to be very much true, that the Old Testament from Genesis to Malachi is the New Testament concealed. And then the New Testament from Matthew to Revelation is the Old Testament revealed. So if you've been tracking with us and studying with us, you find that the amount of overlap that we have, things in the New Testament absolutely make no sense without everything that's gone on before. So that's why we're studying. It's been a great study. Now, we are in the middle of looking at the 10 plagues of the book of Exodus. So we are in chapter 8. We're going to be picking up in verse 16. I spent a lot of time last week kind of talking about some of the dynamics, some of the issues that people have with the idea of the plagues and why would a loving God send plagues. And so I, there's part of me that wants to go over all of that again, but it would be pretty redundant for those of you who've been studying through. But if, as you're listening to this, I gave some nuance last week, and I think to, to put it, wrap it up very quickly, you have to realize that God, in his judgment of Pharaoh, that Pharaoh could have just let him go. And if Pharaoh let him go, then all this that we're looking at If Pharaoh would have been obedient, none of these things would have had to happen. And God has given Pharaoh ample opportunity. And after each plague, God gives Pharaoh further opportunity. And so, as we've said, that one of the biblical principles, it's also a principle of the natural law, the natural order, is that whatever you sow, that you will also reap. Just the way it is. I was talking with a couple of brothers before. We were talking about planting fruit trees. And so if I go and buy some apple tree seeds, 
I am not going to expect to get tomatoes off of that plant. Um, if I plant apple tree seeds and it's an apple tree seed, I'm going to get an apple tree, Lord willing. And that, that's just the way life happens. Whatever you sow, that you're going to reap. And so Pharaoh sowed rebellion. God said, look, if you don't do this, this is going to happen. Pharaoh said, I don't believe you. And ultimately, Pharaoh is going to learn by the time we get to the end of the plagues that God means what he says. He says what he means. And God's not trying to mess around with Pharaoh. Okay? And so I think that's important to realize that God is not just looking as an evil, you know, Dr. Evil in the sky, just looking whose life he can mess up. But God will allow you to make your own decisions and the consequences of those decisions, if you choose to live in rebellion against him, will be what they are. But how often in our lives, if we look at the ways that we've been rebellious and we all know a lot about this, if we look at it, we see how patient God is with us. And how often you see those red flags, those huge stop signs. And we choose to blow through those stop signs often. But God is doing everything other than making us robots, other than imposing his will on us, he gives us so many opportunities. It's important to remember that as we're jumping in in the middle, we're jumping in in the third plague, that it was God said, listen, let my people go, that they may worship. And if Pharaoh would have been like, okay, you're God, then none of this would have happened. But all this is happening because of his own rebelliousness, his own stubbornness, his own disobedience. Now, remember what I said, that these Plagues go in cycles. They're cycles of three. The first plague, Pharaoh gets a warning in the morning when he's by the Nile. The second plague in the cycle, he gets a warning in the palace. And then the third plague happens with no warning. And so there's the first three plagues and then the second set of three plagues and the third set of three plagues. And then ultimately the 10th plague, the death of the firstborn is the culmination. It is the climax. And Pharaoh ultimately lets the people go only later to chase after them. So it's running in cycles. So we're picking up in the third plague in verse 16 of chapter 8. So let's jump right in right there. So Exodus chapter 8, verse 16, it says, So the Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron, stretch out your rod and strike the dust of the land so that it may become lice throughout all the land of Egypt. And they did so, for Aaron stretched out his hand with his rod and struck the dust of the earth, and it became lice on man and beast. All the dust of the land became lice throughout all the land of Egypt. Now the magicians so worked with their enchantments to bring forth lice, but they could not. So there were lice on man and beast. Then the magicians said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart grew hard. And he did not heed them just as the Lord had said. Now, some of your translations, mine here says lice. Some of your translations use the word gnats. So notice, the Lord speaks to Aaron. This is the third in the first series. So it's without warning to Pharaoh. Take your rod, strike the dust of the earth, the desert, and it's going to become lice. Now, we've been saying all along that part of this is the Lord showing himself to be God as opposed to the different Egyptians' God that were worshipped. And so Set was the Egyptian God of the desert. So by Aaron taking the, the desert dust and making it into lice, is showing a superiority over this. Now, I don't know about you, but lice is a kind of a freaky thing, isn't it? 
I love to go on uh, missionary trips, trips across culturally. And my wife has one big fear when I go on mission trips. And it's not that anything bad's going to happen to me, but it's almost always that I'm going to bring home some little buddies. So every time I read about a plague of lice, I just think, to m- I think about my wife, because every time I come home from a mission trip, no matter where it is, it's like, I, you know, she ends up making me, you know, strip down in the garage, and she brings out the Lysol and Lys shampoo and the whole nine. And so, and this is just me coming back from the mission trip. Now imagine, this is a plague of lice. This is lice everywhere. And when you read about it, you just think to yourself, nasty, right? Just totally gross. A plague of lice everywhere. So notice, there's this plague. It's the third plague. Aaron stretches out his rod. It becomes lice. There's lice everywhere. Now notice in verse 18, this time the magicians, the Egyptian magicians, could not reproduce the lice. And remember we've been saying this all along, that up until this point, the Egyptian magicians, by their sorcery and enchantments, were able to do it. And we made the case that it's, it's totally illogical when the Nile has become blood for them to get clean water and make more blood. When there's frogs everywhere, like the second plague, the Egyptians could get some more frogs. And you're like, well, good job, guys. You know, like, thanks a bunch. And now the magicians try and make lice out of the dust as if you need it anymore. But notice at this point, this supernatural plague, the magicians can't do it anymore. They can't do it. They can't get it done. And notice the magicians now are convinced this is the finger of God. See, there's now at this point, the third plague in, now the magicians are getting the hint. They're like, this is not normal. This is not something that we can do. This is something supernatural. But notice, even though there's now testimony from people in his own camp, Pharaoh's heart grew hard. Now, there's been a lot of questions about that because sometimes as God says, I'm going to harden, I'm hardening Pharaoh's heart. Sometimes it says Pharaoh's heart grew hard. Now, this is what you have to remember. God's desire is not for anyone's heart to be hard. You read all through the prophets, it says, we want to take that heart of stone out and give you a heart of flesh. But each one of us, because we live in a fallen world, we all need to battle against hardness of heart. It's really easy to get hardness of heart. Why? Because life is hard sometimes. And there's water under the bridge. And one of the things that Jesus wants to do in the heart of all of his people, and all people who even reject him, but Jesus wants to do this, is he wants to soften our hearts. And one of the best ways, I believe, to begin that process for those of us in here is you have to sit down and write down, these are areas that my heart is hard. Maybe my heart has become callous to my boss because they're not very nice to me or they passed over me for a promotion or they didn't give me a raise. And so, like the soup Nazi in Seinfeld, no soup for you, right? And and that's what hardness of heart is, isn't it? It's saying, I'm going to withhold the love of God flowing through my life for you because you've made me upset. Now, I believe that we all have these areas and some of them are justifiable, quote unquote. But as we've said here before, if we harbor bitterness, hardness of heart, it's like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. That's what it is. When we choose to withhold love from people, we're, we're hurting ourselves trying to hurt the other person. 
And when you realize that that's what you're doing, you realize how absolutely illogical it is. So you, but what I try to do is that when I, when I realize there's an area of hardness of heart, I write it down and I start praying about it. I say, God, look. Because something happens when you write it down, right? Or if you don't write anymore because you don't do paper, text it to yourself. Okay? You'll get the message. But just text, because once you see it there and it's in letters that you know you wrote, whether it's electronic or otherwise, then you have to deal with it. Because it's in real time now. Now it's not just, yeah, I know it's kind of there. But then you just wrote it down. There's a hard copy of it. And you start saying, God, you know that my heart is hard here. Will you soften my heart? Will you start to soften my heart? See, oftentimes, God in his perfections, in his gentlemanliness or gentlewomanliness, even though God is ungendered, in God's kindness and gentleness, he will allow us to harden our own hearts. And so ask yourself, where is there hardness in my heart? Where is there areas of heart? We all have them. And we need to say, God, I want you to soften my heart. I don't want to harden my heart. And then, because what happens when you read Romans chapter one, you find that when people harden their hearts, God gives them over to the hardness of their hearts. God allows you to go that way. And what Jesus wants is he wants to take his people and draw us back and say, look, yes, life has been hard. Yes, there's water under the bridge, but there is a greater love. You expected perfect love from an imperfect person. I will give you the perfect love. And as I give you perfect love, I will empower you by my Holy Spirit to love people who are unlovable. And God's like, I can do that because I do it every single day. All of us are unlovely in a myriad of ways, and yet the love of God still comes to us and reaches us and ministers to us, even though we never deserved it in the first place. And so God gives it to us, and as we experience this sheer grace, this gift of love that we never deserved, then we look at other people like, they don't deserve it, but neither did I. I'm going to give them love anyway. And we don't have to self-generate. It's coming from the Lord. And I believe that God wants to do a deep work because I realize that in a fallen world where all sorts of stuff goes on that we don't like, we don't agree with, we didn't want, it's so easy to let... We put walls up to try and self-protect. And all we do is wall ourselves off from what we really want, which is to know and be known, to give and receive love, to be vulnerable and safe with our garbage. And so we put up walls only to find that we can never actually attain what we really want because as we self-protect, we never get to have the relationships that we really want. And the people who are next to us, closest to us, they miss out on who we really are because we've walled ourselves off from them because of fear. And I believe that God wants to free us from that. I'm not saying that I'm all the way there. I'm on the path with all of us. We're doing this together. We're learning how to walk in the light with our darkness to shine the light on our garbage and receive the love of God knowing that we fail, to be able to love other people knowing that they fail when they fail us. But we have to do battle against the hardness of heart because God wants to soften us. He wants to make us more loving than we are. He wants to make us loving like he is. But Pharaoh hardened his heart. He was unmoved by all this. Now, we move into the fourth plague. Look at verse 20. Back to this chapter 8. And the Lord said to Moses, rise early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh as he comes out to the water. Then say to him, 
Thus says the Lord, let my people go that they may serve me or else if you will not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies on you and your servants, on your people and into your houses. The houses of the Egyptians shall be full of swarms of flies and also the ground on which they stand. And in that day, I will set apart the land of Goshen in which my people dwell that no swarms of flies shall be there in order that you may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the land. I will make a difference between my people and your people. Tomorrow this sign shall be. Verse 24, and the Lord did so. Thick swarms of flies came into the house of Pharaoh, into his servants' houses, and into all the land of Egypt. The land was corrupted because of the swarms of flies. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, go sacrifice to your God in the land. And Moses said, it is not right to do so, for we would be sacrificing the abomination of the Egyptians to the Lord our God. If we sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians before their eyes, then will they not stone us? We will go three days journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God as he will command us. And Pharaoh said, I will let you go that you may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness only you shall not go very far away. Intercede for me. Then Moses said, Indeed, I am going out from you, and I will entreat the Lord that the swarms of flies may depart tomorrow from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from his people. But let Pharaoh not deal deceitfully anymore in not letting the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. Verse 30, So Moses went out from Pharaoh and entreated the Lord, and the Lord did according to the word of Moses. He removed the swarms of flies from Pharaoh, from his servants and from his people, not one remained. But Pharaoh hardened his heart at this time. Also, neither would he let the people go. Now, if you notice in your Bibles, for most of us, it says swarms and then it says of flies, but of flies is in italics. What that means is that the in italics means it's not actually in the original Hebrew or if you're reading the New Testament Greek or those sections of the Old Testament that were written in Aramaic. They're added by the translators to help you understand. So literally, this is a plague of swarms. And so by putting of flies, it's not wrong because most often flies come in swarms. But the, the God that this is going against, of course, is the God, is Ray, the sun God, and another God which, whose name is Uchik, which is represented by the fly. So it's the God of the fly. That's what um, Egyptian scholars tell us. Now, Remember, this is the second cycle of three. So when did the announcement come? In the morning. He says, Moses, go on out to him. Say, listen, Pharaoh, let my people go that they may serve me. You see that? Once again, Pharaoh has an opportunity. Now, why does God want his people to go? That they may serve him. Don't ever miss that. God redeems us so that we may serve him. Our life is not our own. We were bought at a price. We are voluntary servants of God. What happens oftentimes is that we want redemption. We want to be redeemed from something, but then we just want to do whatever we want to do. And that's not God's purpose because God created us to serve him. And as we serve him, we give him glory and we're actually healthy and we're for the betterment of humanity. But if we get redeemed and we're just selfish, we're actually not giving him glory and we're not helping humanity out. So God redeems us so that we may be engaged in serving him. And as we serve him, we serve others. But notice, if you don't, God says, this is what I want, or else you're going to get swarms. 
You see that? And that's how obedience works. Obedience says, if you do what I want you to do, blessings. If not, you're going to have cursings. It's simple that way. But let's be honest, it's hard to be obedient, isn't it? It's hard. Because oftentimes the judgment that comes from disobedience doesn't happen immediately. But it will come. But there's an or else. Either do this and get this, or don't do this. Now notice what happens. He says, I'm going to send you swarms of flies. Think about it. If you have a couple flies in your house, that's pretty annoying, right? Just a couple. Now imagine swarms of flies in your house. Yeah, okay. We all agree it's not a good situation, right? Not what we want at all. Now, you have to realize that in Egypt, some 4,000 years ago, window screens didn't exist either. It was the desert. It was hot. They didn't have air conditioning either. So in order for circulation, they didn't have electric fans and all these things. So in order to have house circulation, there was just openings in the walls and the ceilings. Now, for some of the wealthier Egyptians, no doubt they could fix a cloth at the doorways and the windows. But because the swarms were so big, they just busted right through all of it. So swarms, notice the swarms when they came, they were everywhere. Even in Pharaoh's house. So in the palace, there's swarms everywhere. There's a supernatural occurrence of swarms of flies. Now notice what happens. In verse 22, he says, And in that day I will set apart the land of Goshen in which my people dwell, that no swarms of flies shall be there, in order that you know that I am the Lord in the midst of the land. He says, look, swarms are coming, but my people, the children of Israel, are in Goshen. They're not going to get any swarms. And what this shows is that God is particular. He's particular. This is not for his children. This is for the Egyptians who are in rebellion against him. And God can mete out judgment particularly. We live in a day and age where we don't like making distinctions. It's like in some way in Western post-enlightenment society, a scientifically minded person doesn't want to be scientific anymore. You guys heard about the, uh, the family in, in England who had a child who didn't want to tell anyone what gender it was because they didn't want to socialize them based on, his, on their gender. Did you hear about this? Well, they ended up finding out that it was a boy, I believe. And I'm sure it happened because all of a sudden, every time he got himself a, an umbrella, he swung it at somebody. You don't have to teach little boys to be little boys. Like, listen, I have two kids. I have a son and a daughter. You know, my son Obadiah, literally, you give him a stick, he swing it. I didn't, I was like, here, Obadiah, here, swing this thing. He was, everything's a sword. My daughter, you give her a stick, she thinks it's an umbrella. She's like, I didn't do this to them. Their DNA does that. The, the, the presence of the test, extra testosterone in a boy or estrogen in a woman, that's just what happens. I go to tickle Obadiah hard, he thinks we're wrestling. I go to tickle Maranatha hard. If I tickle her too hard, she gets upset. You're messing my hair up. I'm like, you look cute either way. What's the problem? Don't leave me alone. Jesus is real. We all have areas that we wall off. But as Pastor Daniel said, harboring bitterness hurts us while we're trying to hurt someone else. Pharaoh was hardening his heart instead of addressing hard truths. In his gentleness, God allows that so he can soften us. 
We're so happy that you're a part of the Jesus is Real Radio family. Jesus is Real Radio is a listener-supported program. We want to let the whole world know that Jesus is real. Your donations help make this possible. You can become a monthly supporter or give a one-time gift by text message. It's easy. Simply text your gift to 855-910-8300. That's 855-910-8300. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram have become a regular part of our everyday lives. And we want to be sure to encourage you to check out Pastor Daniel's Facebook page, Twitter feed, and Instagram. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow the links. Pastor Daniel shares two-minute video messages throughout the week on his Facebook page. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow Pastor Daniel. Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio when we'll hear how the plagues are becoming worse in Egypt. Moses will intercede for Pharaoh even though he is an enemy of the Hebrews. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series entitled The Passover. That's next time on Jesus is Real Radio.